the dot and the line. Are you going to live for the dot or are you going to live for the line? And what's going to matter more at the end of the day? Welcome to season two of the Live My Dream podcast. I am Brendan Abernathy, a singer-songwriter and performing artist from Georgia who is traveling around the United States of America, playing shows, making new friends, spreading my music, and hopefully a little bit of joy along the way. And I am undoubtedly living my dream. On this podcast, I interview quote-unquote everyday world changers who have delayed someday and decided to make it today. On this episode, I sit down with Daniel Blake, who is a consultant in Atlanta. While consulting is not necessarily Daniel's dream job, today we talk about maximizing a gap year experience and how to live the dream when maybe you aren't necessarily in your dream job. Oh, hello, and welcome to the Live My Dream podcast. This is your host, Brendan Abernathy. I'm sitting across from a tall, lanky, good-looking man, my friend, Daniel Blake. Daniel, how we doing? Oh, man, we couldn't be doing better this evening. Amazing. Daniel and I have had an awesome day. We're in his hometown of Griffin, Georgia. Shouts if you've been to Griffin. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, one and only. One and only. We're at his home. We got to spend an awesome day, uh, had a great dinner with his mom and dad, got to practice a board game like try a board game which i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit on here and really just have had an awesome day of hanging out with his family uh they're a great bunch um in in theme with hanging out with his family i wanted to ask daniel a really important question daniel what's that brendan if you had to have any animal ride you into battle what would that animal be mm, this animal is riding me into battle yeah uh, 1,000% um, a monkey, uh, particularly a red-faced monkey from South Asia. Do you have experience with these monkeys? Uh, I do. Black-faced monkeys are, um, I don't have, I have, I have way not great experiences with those guys. I've been tackled a couple times, but the red-faced monkeys uh, are more versatile, uh, and, and they would also be a little bit more, a little more light on my shoulders. Yeah. Okay, I feel like we're about to have an awesome conversation ahead, if that's just the start, is a encounter with monkeys in South Asia. Um, so Daniel's actually here. He's our first crowd-recommended guest of the Live My Dream podcast. At the mm. end of every episode, I ask for people to send me people that they think would be a good fit for this podcast, and Daniel was recommended four times, so we're in for a treat. Don't know who I had to bribe for that one, but uh, so if you were one of those people out there, thank you for, for that nomination. <laughs> if not, then hey, don't worry about it. I hope to meet you soon. Um, so Daniel, give us a little intro of yourself. Uh, anything you want to get the ball rolling here, hit, hit us. Yeah, man. I love what uh, Brendan has has done with uh, this season of life and also how he's impacted me in so many conversations and hanging out along the way. The, the living my dream um, mentality is, is one that I, I'm really uh, about and love to, to lean into. Uh, one of the things that as, as we talk about my dream and dreams in life for me, I just need to set just a little bit of context, I feel like, for my worldview, because I really feel like that dreams come out of the way that you view the world and that for you to understand my dream, even to, even if you don't have the same worldview as, as I do, um, I would love to set the stage a little bit for, for what that is. Um, so first, I, I really 
am under uh, the belief and the the view that life is more than what we see and more than ourselves, uh, that there's something bigger out there. And the complexity and the um, just beauty of the world leads me to uh, really believe in a creator that has a purpose behind life and that that creator has revealed himself and continues to uh, throughout history uh, and that he revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ uh, about 2,000 years ago and showed us really what the this kingdom of God, the kingdom that we were made for is and is inviting uh, every person in the world into this kingdom of God um, and really the uh, the remarkable works of Jesus, his claims, uh, his um, the, the circumstances surrounding his life and the prophecies he fulfilled, and in a myriad of other things, especially the facts surrounding his resurrection, have led me to, to put my trust and allegiance in him as my king. And so my dream in life is, is spurred by who I serve, and that is Jesus Christ. And so uh, his, his commandments of loving God and loving others and his commission of inviting uh, anyone that I come in contact in life into the kingdom of God is really what uh, spurs uh, my dream on and is really the root and the why behind uh, any of my dreams in life. So if that's not uh, your worldview, if you're listening, then um, hang with me uh, here. And, and that's just, I want to be unashamed about that so that we can move forward. And even if it's not your worldview, I hope that the way that I go about life and the, my dream, you can hopefully fit whatever your dream is in there and it could possibly follow a similar path. Right on. Uh, one thing that I really admire about Daniel, regardless of faith or anything, is this tenacity of life that he takes into anything that he does. Um, he's currently actually working for a consulting company. So obviously that's not our usual guest on the live my dream podcast. Um, however, the way in which he works in that job with purpose is inspiring to me. And before jumping into that field, he spent how many months? Well, I guess it would have been six months strictly abroad. So six months in other countries. And so we're going to talk about those two things and then also this third venture of this board game and kind of alternative uh, universe world type deal that he and his brothers are creating. So Daniel, to kick off the portion about your dream, um, tell us about your decision to do consulting and how you think you do that in a way that might be a little bit unique. So I really... Anytime I'm in a, a spot that's that's comfortable, uh, I want to I want to see what's around the next bend. I want to to push myself out of it. I love adventure, and I, I don't I don't like just sitting in the same status quo. Uh, I also love uh, problem solving and helping people, uh, and really consulting is is a good uh, thing that fits really all of those things for me right now. That challenges me for for the problem solving purposes. It keeps me on my feet and my toes. If nothing is is ever the same. Um, in, in the business world and, and lines up with what I happened to study in, in college. Um, I really think that you could do anything, any, any sort of job, and it'd be fulfilling in a, a dream sense uh, in, in a mindset kind of way. I think that the way that you go about anything that you do uh, can, can be monotonous, can be, can be normal and regular, uh, or it can, can take on uh, really a purpose in, in everything that you do. I think a mentality of a mindset with which I approach people is is the way that uh, really creates that purpose for me in life, really living life in view of eternity, that this one day is not all that we've got, but that really we're, we're living in 
something that has a, a purpose beyond this one and being able to, to bring the freedom uh, that that brings for me to the people around me is something that stands out in, in a huge way, I feel like, to, to people of not complaining, of loving people well, and calling them, hopefully, into the freedom of something greater than this life. Consulting is probably the ultimate job where, as an outsider, we look at it and we're like, what do you actually do? What do you actually do? What's a day in the life of Daniel Blake, consultant? You know, consulting is really just uh, somebody paying you to pretend to be an expert about something and convince <laughs> them that you are. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you really don't know anything, especially as somebody coming out of college and you get thrown in with <laughs> someone who's been doing their job for 20 years and you're expected to uh, <laughs> consult them about what they've been doing, and uh, which it's a lot of pretending. What does that feel like? Do you ever feel weird consulting someone who's been doing something for 20 years? For sure. It's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, really figuring it out on the fly and being <laughs> able to uh, put the face on that, oh, yeah, I've done this a million times before when really you've done it for the first time right then. So earlier you mentioned any job can be fulfilling for a dream. You're walking in quote-unquote, consulting someone who's been doing something for 20 years, where do you find your fulfillment in that if you're sitting on an Excel spreadsheet or on a call trying to minimize cost structure, which translation means laying people off? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? So it's it's the little things that always come in interaction with people. So when you are in any sort of call, any sort of meeting, there's a structure of life that they expect. And anything that is outside of that structure of life, it throws them off and it, it creates like almost a disequilibrium to where that they, they come out of their shell, they come out of their prescribed box. So you, you ask a simple thing of like about their family, about their day, about what they're doing on the weekend, about anything deeper than that surface level or anything off topic of that. And it, it separates you. It's, it's a weird thing where they get out outside of their box and you're able to present friendliness, present that you actually care about the person and not only the work, um, and in a freedom and an environment to where people have so much pressure and identity in their work. And when your identity is not found in what you're doing, then your your person is outside of the, the your actions that you're doing, people don't know what to do with that. Identity is, is really the, the focal point of no matter what you do, being able to find purpose in it if that purpose is not found in your work, but in who you are. You are seemingly very passionate about bringing people out of their shells. You are also very famous for being the guy who asks people their names and instantly diffusing any situation. Would you like to tell us a story of this? That is definitely a go-to of any time I'm in a situation, whether it be talking myself out of a speeding ticket in, in Jordan or America or anywhere else on the world. Uh, or whether it's, didn't you do this once on the border of Mexico? Uh, yes. Border of story. story. <laughs> well, border of Mexico was, was one where we, we found a, uh, the, the wall happens to go from Pacific ocean up towards, uh, just South of San Diego into the, the truck lands, uh, right by the Rio Grande on the top of a mountain where it stops. So naturally we on a road trip had to go down there and, uh, find where this fence stops so we could just casually meander on into to Mexico without messing with the whole, you know, passport stuff. So, um, but yeah, any, anytime that we, so we got 
of course, uh, caught because they have drones and helicopters and such <laughs> things and satellites as uh, we have the technology for. So go, driving down the other opposite side of the mountain and being faced with uh, a very angry uh, couple of patrol border guys who st- had a stake out with uh, semi-drawn guns, um, being able to pull the, the country bumpkin uh, Georgia guy who's lost in the uh, the borderlands card and ask people their name and what's going on diffuses the situation a little bit, perhaps. Did it? Uh, in that particular scenario, just enough. <laughs> <laughs> to get you home. They called the helicopter off of us and uh, back oh on to the people who were actually crossing the border about five miles down the way. Wow. We could have had anything in that trunk or any small family of children and they would have never known, though, so... Because you asked the name. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to come into our country, I guess look like a tall, redheaded man from South Georgia. That definitely helps. And ask their name. Wow, that's awesome. Um, Back to maybe more of like a serious point. In bringing people out of their shell, what's like a strategy you use to do that? Remembering somebody's name, speaking it back to them is is huge. Um, Really a... Smile is also crazily huge. Uh, not complaining about life um, and encouraging people. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of the things that you chip away at. Uh, it, it takes people a little while to come out of their shell sometimes. And being able to consistently be, be someone that is trying to draw them out of that is key. You also said identity is the focal point of purpose. What's your advice to someone in finding their identity? in something that is outside of maybe their work or their job or what everyone else is telling them, like, this is who you are. Yeah. Identity's got to start with the word why. It's got to, you have to be asking the questions of why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I here? Uh, why is, is any of this happening around me? Uh, and if, and really it's, it's history too. Looking back at, the great thing is, is we're not the first people to ask these questions about who we are. The, the who am I question is a question that people have been asking across history, and each person has had to figure out what that is for themselves. And so looking at, at people who've put their identity in their job and gotten to the end of life and been like, man, I wish I'd spent more time with family or wish I'd spent more time with friends or fill in the blank. People who've spent their identity of, man, money is, is the, the driver of life, and at the end they realize that they can't keep any of it. Um, when identity is connected to your success and your actions, you're, you're paralyzed in, man, if, if I don't achieve this, then who I am is going to, to change. Um, whenever you put your identity on something that is um, on yourself, that, that's a huge weight that you're going to have to bear. When you realize or when you put, really believe that life is greater than, than you, there's something bigger than yourself outside that, um, that has power uh, and sovereignty and control over life and is offering for you to say, hey, if you, you put your identity in me and what I've done for you uh, and what I found that in Jesus is that when I put my identity in what he's done for me instead of what I have to do, then man, that weight of proving myself to anyone through anything is gone. And so I no longer have to prove it to them. I can be myself unashamedly, draw them into the same thing and offer that to them. For someone who's not ready to accept Jesus as the answer to all of their issues, 
do you think there's a way to find a more secure identity than a job or a status? Absolutely. Because in you have to think about the things that are going to last the the longest um, for for me living in view of eternity, honestly, uh, or obviously the the longest lasting is going to be the things that matter after this life. For people who, man, life ends when I die, and that's a thinking thinking taking a step back of saying, okay, well, well, what is going to really last until then? When I, I love. You know, thinking about life from the lens of the future, thinking of about lines for, for me, like 10,000 years from now. But for someone who, man, eternity is really not a thing, I'm, I'm thinking about life from, from the deathbed, you know, and, and thinking about what are the things that are going to last until then? What are the things going to be most important then? And it's cool when you look and see people who've been on the deathbed time and time and time again, they always point to relationships. Every time, it's never materials. It's never like, man, if I, that yacht, I got that boat, that car, that fill in the blank. It's always names. It's brother, sister, mother, friend, coworker, guy who, you know, any sort of relationship in life, that's what matters. And that's what carries forward. And anytime that we invest in people, that's what it's not going to be able to be taken away from us. Boom. So Daniel and I are going to take a brief moment here to acknowledge our sponsor, who is the board game Kingdoms of Kateri. Tell us about it, Daniel. You are a rogue warlord nestled in the middle of four kingdoms who all are coveting your strategic land. They're going to need to form an alliance of the two nations in order to be able to take over this land. They're looking to you to be their strategic warlord in order to help them and aid them in battle. If they take over this land, they're going to make you their king. If they lose against the other allied nations, you're probably going to get slaughtered along with your wives and children. So if you want to try your luck at a strategic and uh, in-depth game that will keep you on your toes for many an hour, Kingdoms of Kateri is the game for you. So I don't know where this game's going to be by the time you are listening to this podcast, but I can tell you that today I played it for the first time and it has my full endorsement as being fun. And if you know me, you know I am not a card game and not a board game kind of guy. I just, it's never been my thing. I loved it. Every second of it was thrilling. I also won. (laughs) I dominated. So, you know, Daniel, how did it feel to lose? You know, as, as a game creator to get beaten in your own game, it's, it's, it really is a gut check. Yeah. Yeah. Humbling, shall I say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on into the uh, next little portion of the podcast. We're going to transition from talking about consulting into talking about Daniel's little gap half year, gap six months. So Daniel took the victory lap in college, finished up in December, and then in January, headed out. So Daniel, tell us about where you went, what you were doing, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, man. So honestly, in order to even get a little bit of context for this is like, well, I guess sophomore year of high school, uh, which is backing up kind of six years prior to this thing, um, maybe seven. 
I was, I was thrown into uh, this, this country of Bolivia on my own, stripped down there as a study abroad. Uh, I happened to be working with some people who had a similar worldview as I did of uh, wanting to invite people into the kingdom of God, uh, specifically with these shoe shiners on the streets of La Paz, Bolivia. And what we did was we threw on um, what they wear is they, uh, these ski masks to cover their faces to hide the humility that comes with a job because they're the lowest of the low in the society. And so we were there being able to make friends with these people, covered all of my white gringo skin and shined shoes alongside of them and got the, to see the, the poverty, got to see the worldview, got to see what it was like to be actually among and on the same level as people who were so drastically different than me, just walking, watching shoes and legs walk past every day. And then pair of shoes would stop at your box. You'd shine their shoes, hold out your hand for 14 cents and be able to build those relationships. And that was what triggered in my heart from then on of like, man, there's something so much, the world is so much bigger than my backyard. And that there's such a difference that I can make in building genuine friendships, relationships, and sharing the hope that I have with people. That was sophomore year of high school. And coming into college, if you were to read any of my college essays, you would have really seen a glimpse into a dream of international business and purpose of going and connecting people in different countries to bring them together for relationships and for sharing the hope that I have in life with them. And then I got swept into kind of the business world of, of college, of the practicality of people saying, hey, you know, you got to you gotta learn this, you got to learn that to be practical and um, really my, my dream there got pushed aside. Every time I thought about it, I, it scared me, honestly. It's big. It was huge. I was like, man, that's, that's too, that's too much. I don't even know where to start. And so I would just kind of sweep it under the rug. Every time it came up, um, there would be things that triggered it all the time. And each time it would be like, no, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later, you know? And it got to the point, <laughs> which it was senior year and I had a, a mentor of mine, um, Daniel Mason, shout out to him, who really challenged me. He said, hey, you know what? I know this has been in the back of your mind for a really long time. You got to take it out and wrestle with it or else you're going to be asking the question, what if, for the rest of your life. And man, that that put me on my heels. So the last thing that I want to do is live this life and at the end of my life say, man, I lived a really comfortable life, but what if? What if I'd taken that chance to really take steps toward following that dream, whatever that dream was? And I was more scared of the what if question being unanswered than taking a step of unknown to see what this dream could look like. So that's what led to that senior year wrestling with, man, what what can I do? I'm graduating in, in December of, of the following year, and there's a lot of things on the table. I wrestle with maybe going somewhere for two years and uh, dropping everything and doing that and really led narrowed it down to this, this program um, in South Asia. And what, what that was is a missions mentorship program, which gives you the, equips you with the tools and the, the ability to, to ask the question of yourself of what is, what is my purpose in this? How do I fit in with uh, missions? When I say missions is uh, taking the hope of Jesus to people who've never heard it before and uh, inviting them into that through relationship. And seeing what that looks like in a nation that's very hostile to that, who um, does understand the, the hope that that brings and is extremely uh, against and anti that message. And so being able to see what that context is 
and people on the ground there? And, and then also how's that fit into your future? So that was my first step into, into that. After taking the leap, what were some major lessons that you learned that you take into your everyday life now? I think the first is perspective. It was really cool. Uh, not, I wasn't only in South Asia. I also got to spend some time in Vietnam and also got to um, spend a, a good chunk of time in, in Jordan in the Middle East. Uh, but being able to see so many different time zones in different places and building actually deep, genuine relationships with people that I really loved and got to spend a significant amount of time with to where I really did miss them after leaving. Being here in America, at any, it's, it's way harder for me to only view myself in isolation as, oh, I'm here in Georgia, I'm here in the United States. It's really like I'm here in the world, and I feel like I have this perspective to where I know that life is happening in, in the Middle East right now. I know it's happening in, in Vietnam. I know it's happening in South Asia. Um, and, and knowing that man, I'm a small person in a big world, um, that was one thing that I'm taking back with me. Really, another one is is knowing that after seeing so many different contexts and so many different people who, man, they had so vastly different backgrounds, vastly different cultures uh, that were so different than mine, really being able to talk about their hopes, their fears, their worries, their dreams, it was really cool to see how it was very consistent almost, able to see a commonality in, in things that people were were wanting to put their hope and security in, the, the things that they were... Um, worried about and fearful of very similar to, to stuff that that you or I or anybody would. And to see that the, the hope that I've found in, uh, in Jesus has been able, was able to really spread across every single one of those hopes and fears in a very similar way. And just to realize that the hope that I have is not just for me and no matter where people come from, it impacts them and can impact them in a very similar way. So seeing fears are constant, or largely constant across cultures. Did you learn anything about fear and where it comes from? Because a large thing that's crippling a lot of people in deciding to do something that's always been on our hearts or our minds is fear of something. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, man, I really experience the world is, is crippled by fear. Fear of a lot of different things. Fear of, of not being accepted by their tribe, whether that be extended family, uh, hometown, society, culture. People always want to fit in. They always want to be accepted. The fear of not being accepted, the fear of being isolated and driven out. Um, I mean, you see that across the board in, in any situation that you find yourself in. And that fear really shackles people. It, it makes them conform to whatever's around them, and it really stifles the, the questioning, the, the why. Uh, people are afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to, to question authority that they've grown up with. They're quite afraid to question, why, why does my family believe this? Why, does, why, do we, why have we done this for hundreds of years? Why is... Am I named what I am? Why is why are we eating what we're eating? Why are we here and not there? Anything. It, fear prevents people from speaking what they are really thinking inside of them. And because of that, they they get stuck in the status quo. 
they don't ask questions. They grow up and they have kids and they teach them the same thing and they don't ask questions either. And you get down the line to where it's this cycle of, because of fear, real contemplation, real uh, search for truth just doesn't happen. What's a question you ask yourself every day? I don't know if I voice this question to myself, but it, I think it comes out in mentality of who can I encourage today? Whether that be through a, a, a person that I'm, I'm walking past and actually give them a, a look in the eye, a nod, a smile, whether that's recognizing someone for, for what they've done, any effort they've put in in life and, and calling that out, uh, appreciating people. Um, I really think that people really want to be valued for what they do. They want people to see that. And when you do, when you, when you validate their hard work or even themselves as a human being, somebody who even doesn't get talked to or gets a, a look or a smile or an acknowledgement, it can really mean a lot for that person, a lot more than, than I can know. In terms of questions, if you were to go back to freshman, sophomore, junior, Daniel Blake, who still wants to do international business, still wants to bring people together across culture and what you were saying earlier, but fear is stifling questions that are being asked. What's a question you would ask yourself that you think would push you through that fear to go after exactly what you did when you graduated? What's one tangible step that you can take today, this week? What's one person that you can talk to to find an answer to a question? Putting it in very practical terms, I had this this huge, and still do have this, this huge dream that's a lot bigger than me and it is something that's hard to grasp it's kind of like smoke that when you try to grasp it and contain it it escapes and it's it's impossible for me to jump from step one to step 20 I've got to take the first step and so telling my freshman yourself hey you got big dreams and that's a great thing don't throw that away <laughs> but to have the courage to just take the first step and once you've taken the first step, have to take courage to take the next step. Mm. Figure out what that step is and then seek out what the answer is to be able to take it. So you got a big dream. It's like smoke. What is that? Yeah. It's smoke because it's, it's hard to, uh, to contain. You know, the, the, um, the element that I'm, I know that whatever I do, if I have a, a vision and a purpose that is uh, consistent that is aligned with what I've already said before, that that my dream can be fulfilled, I think, in a, a broader sense, in a more specific sense, that, that that can look in a lot of different ways with my skills and my, my, my wants and desires. I think it's going to have an international component. It's going to have a creative component. And it's going to have a business component. So what are steps you're taking right now to figure out what that dream is. And then you're here on the Live My Dream podcast because you are, in fact, living your dream today. And I think a lot of times on here, even I can feel like, man, what's the what's the point of this podcast if it's just making people feel insecure that they don't know what their dream is or that, well, okay, I know what my dream is, but how am I actually supposed to live that today? And one thing that I've been realizing recently is that 
if living the dream is a destination, it's exhausting Hmm. and we'll never get there. But if living the dream is more of a process and a purpose, then it's an everyday exciting adventure. It's a right here, right now type of thing. So what does that look like for you? You're, you're working in consulting, right? That's not the dream, right? But can it be in the moment? And so how? Exactly. Is, do I want to be doing consulting for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. Do I want to have this lifestyle of what I'm doing forever? No. Does that mean that this season is a waste? Absolutely not. The, the mentality of it, the vision of it, the purpose of it, that can stay consistent no matter what I'm doing. Whether I'm you know, working in a plumbing shop, whether I'm a carpenter, whether I'm a consultant, whether I'm a flight attendant, or whether I'm a missionary, that can stay the exact same based on identity and, and mentality. Now, tangible steps, as I said, of just taking the one step and the next, and I, I do have a vision for, for something bigger, and it's unclear. That's the thing. And it's like, man, there, there's so many people who say, man, I got this 10-year plan. I'm going to be here in 10 years. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. And that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Man, you don't know what's happening in 10 years. Man, that, we, we have no clue what's going to happen then. So I can't bank on dream being a destination and say, oh, man, when I get here, then I'm going to make it. Then life is going to be really it. Because then you realize when you get there, you're going to be saying the same thing. Oh, man, in, in, in another five years, another 10 years, that, that, then I'm going to have it. And Sometimes people don't understand that dreams are like smoke until you can't dream anymore. And so, yeah, tangible steps for me and those three components. And so those three, three things I said of business, creative, international, I'm, I'm wanting to take tangible steps right now towards each one of those. Just because it's unclear where life is going to head doesn't mean that that can paralyze me, which it, it could and it has in the past. Right now, business-wise, man, I need, I need a lot of tangible skills and experiences. If I'm going to want to start a business, especially if I want to do a business overseas or join you know, some sort of business overseas, I'm going to need to know what it looks like to do business process as well. And what I'm doing right now is business performance improvement, looking at a lot of different processes of business to see, hey, what, what does this look like in an ideal state? How are you supposed to operate business? And what can I learn from the people that I'm interviewing that have decades of experience from their problems, from their mistakes? So in that way, taking tangible steps of business internationally, it's been super cool to have a lot of these contacts from my experiences overseas and keeping up with those people, uh, also creating connections from those people to other people to be able to continue to have these conversations of, hey, what does it look like and where, where you are? What opportunities do you have where you are? What's, what are your goals? How, how could I possibly either help you from here or, or join you later on? Um, and for the, for there, man, I'm always going to be either going or sending out. There's no, there's no third option for me. Um, I know that I can be a part of my dream internationally, even if I'm here by being a consultant and being a radical giver, we'll get into probably money a little later, but I also can, I don't, I also, also can be going and taking steps towards that. And the third thing of creativity my little brother John and I have always been fascinated by grand stories and fantasy worlds and games. And for the past six years, we've actually created our own world called Katiri with its own stories and history, culture, and geography. And we've created a game called Kingdoms of Katiri that's set in this world. It's a strategy game of building up your own kingdom, defending it, and attacking the opponent's kingdom to try to take control of the land. And we really want to share this game with the world. 
so we're going on the path of creating a Kickstarter here, hopefully in the next six months or so. And we also hope to write some stories about this, this world as well. And it's just an incredible creative outlet for us to continue to, to push our imagination and, and stay, stay young, stay creative along the way. So that's been really fun. It's hard to take a walk from New York to LA if you don't take a step. But Mike Posner did it. Posner? I don't know. Forrest okay, Gump did it. right here. Yes, he did. He did a run. We are taking a quick break at the podcast. And because I own the rights, it's going to be one of my songs that plays. Which one do you want? Adelaide. <laughs> yes. We need to find identity. Boom. Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed both Daniel's singing and mine. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Daniel, uh, lifestyle. Tell me a little bit about lifestyle living in other countries as a missionary and your lifestyle as a strapping young consultant now. Yeah, man, I, I want lifestyle to be something that is consistent yet dynamic. Uh, adapting to my context, but having the same content, no matter what the context is. And so my identity piece, uh, who I am, man, that, that shouldn't change whether I'm in South Asia or America. How I relate to people, how I connect to people, man, that, that should drastically change because if I'm the same guy who grew up in Griffin, Georgia, and I'm just uh, coming across to people the same way every time, man, that's going to get lost in translation in a million different ways for people in a different context. So, man, when I'm in South Asia, you know, it looks like uh, putting myself into the context of the people around me. What are they thinking? How are they operating? And how can I communicate with my actions and with my words in a way that they'll understand what, what I'm trying to say? Because, man, it's all about understanding. It's not about what's said. It's about what's received. Mm-hmm. Same way in the business world. I can't be the same exact... I can't operate in the same way as I did in South Asia when I'm in a conference room or on a conference call. So adapting the language, adapting the, um, the, the culture there, which is hundred percent the same thing as a culture in South Asia or the middle East in the corporate business world in America, it's the same content in my life. And hopefully through putting myself in the context where I am can operate in a similar way and be received in just as effective way to people around me. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy on money, how you spend it, how you save it, how you give it. Yeah. I'm a big needs versus wants guy. Uh, what, do I, what do I mean by that? So in college, for instance, lived in a um, very cheap house, cheap rent, super low quality of living by an American standard, super high quality by any other standard. Uh, but now I've got a, a big pay raise, not in college anymore, have a job, have a salary. But are my, my needs any different? No, they're the same exact needs. And so a pay raise for me should not necessitate a raise in quote-unquote quality of life. And, and the freedom that that brings is huge. It, it opens up finances into a to- totally different world. Because if, if I view, once, once my needs expands into what my wants are, it's super hard to go back. Then my, need, my wants become my needs, and I have a new normal, I have a new standard that I have to upkeep. And so if that stays consistent as I, I grow in my income, 
it enables me to do a lot of different things. One especially is giving. Um, I'm super challenged by people like Francis Chan, who just gives half of everything that he has. One guy, uh, John Wesley, the, the good old founder of the Methodist Church, um, which I don't know much about, but I do know that he made about the equivalent of $160,000, gave away the equivalent of $140,000, lived off of the equivalent of $20,000. How do you do that? Man, I'm sure at one point in his life, he was living off of $20,000, and he knew that, man, yeah, it's this is life. And when he got a pay raise, he didn't change that. And that also enables me to, I never want to say no to something because of, of money. What do I mean by that? No to something that I know is going to be super beneficial, impactful for me in relationships in life. I don't want money to be the thing that's holding me back from that. Whether that's a trip, whether that's an experience, whether that's anything, I don't want to be stingy in a way that, uh, that robs me of things that I know are going to last. Money doesn't last, but experiences, relationships do. And I don't want lack of money because I'm spending it on wants that have now become my needs to hold me back from that. I also want to be in a position to give uncomfortably. Sacrificing because there have been so many people who have given so much for me, to me. And especially with my worldview of the king of the world giving up the greatest riches to become the poorest of the poor in order to give me hope in life. Man, if, if I am seeking after and emulating my king, then man, and everything else is his now and forever, then man, I want to be able to follow him and give that up because that puts me in a spot of trust and of uh, faith in, in him. And it's not me taking the reins of life and saying, I can do this because my security is in money. Man, money is not going to buy me security for the long term. And the more I can give it away, um, man, the more life that I can be able to have within myself and the freedom that I can know that I don't have to, to have it in order to find fulfillment in life. From our position right now, I think that mindset makes a lot of sense. What do you say to the pragmatist that would argue against you? Once you uh, once you got a lady in the situation, I think things get a lot more complicated. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, another thing that it helps you do is you you get to save a lot. Uh, if if you're at a stage of life where you're able to do something similar to what I'm doing, and and you're maybe you have some wants that have become needs, and you can you can cut those out. It allows you to save a lot of money for opportunities. One of those opportunities is business opportunities. I want to start a business one day. In order to to make money, you've got to have money. You've got to spend money. And that's just the way that our world kind of works. And so in order to spend money, you've got to save money. And that's an incredible starting place for me. If I know that my dream is one day I'm going to want to do business, start a business, I'm going to need some capital to make it happen. So a tangible step that I'm taking right now is saving a lot more than maybe I'm comfortable with or would want to, perhaps, in order to make that happen. Thank you. The next section of the podcast is presented by Kyle Larson. It is Kyle Larson's Life Hacks. Daniel knows Kyle, just like I do. And so, Daniel, your overarching life hack, go. Park far away for free. Walk when you need to. Walking is an incredible way to start and end a day if you're, if you're parking for work. Uh, why spend the money on parking when you can enjoy an incredible outside? And it also gives you a space to 
Look up, look around you, see what's out there. Uh, man, don't spend money on parking. Moving onwards, Daniel, tell me an app everyone needs on their phone. Splitwise. What does it do? You ever had a group that you pay for something with? And you're, man, you got to do the math to figure out who owes you what. Or you got rent, you got a road trip, you got a big trip where you're like, man, we'll settle up at the end. Get splitwise. You throw your expenses on there, splits them between the group, and it deducts when the next person puts on uh, what their expense was. So at the end of a long road trip, we were on a road trip for four weeks throughout the entire country and didn't Venmo or pay back anyone for anything for the, from the four of us. And at the end of the trip, I think I paid Matt Zimmerman like 52 cents because it all just evened out where we were strategic on, ah, I, I'm, it's my turn to pay. Matt Zimmerman, alumnus of the Live My Dream podcast. Come on with it, baby. Uh, you've done a lot of road trips. You've done a lot of road trips. I have. Give me some spots across the United States that we need to see. Mm. Great campsite uh, between... Flagstaff and the Grand Canyon, if you're looking for a good free spot uh, outside of Grand Canyon there. Sequoia National Park, super underrated spot. Uh, that is just south of Yosemite in, in California. Uh, Prewitt Ridge in Big Sur. You're going to want to take the back roads to get up there. Um, so worth it. Uh, Zion National Park, you think it's overrated? It's not, but get the backcountry pass. It's so worth it because you got myriads of people who now know about it. Get the backcountry pass, you got it all to yourself. Um, what does that do that, that allows you to, to go camping out on the, the West Rim trail, uh, up there and you're all by yourself in the most glorious country. And there's thousands upon thousands of people that wish they could get that, but don't know it exists. Okay. Non-self-help book. Everyone needs to read favorite book ever Lord of the Rings trilogy, but book I will say right now is heaven by Randy Alcorn. Uh, not a self-help book one that really investigates what is heaven, what does especially the Bible say about heaven and what we can look forward to. It's not this thing that's just we're, we're going and floating and playing harps in the clouds forever in eternal worship service. That, no, that would be horrible. But the incredible vision for what eternity is beyond this life that we can have hope for in Jesus and just dives into the crazy amazing things that we can hope for on the new earth and the new heaven that we'll have. What about a full-length album everyone needs to listen to from start to finish? Daybreaker by Moon Taxi. Interesting. Okay, cool. I like that. Good live show, too. Absolutely. Right now, All the Feels by Fitz and the Tantrums, another one I'm, I'm digging. Oh, nice. What's your favorite holiday? The month of May. Best Christmas gift you've ever received? A go-kart. Favorite Spanish-speaking holiday? Cinco de Mayo. What's your favorite thing to do on Cinco de Mayo? Across the border in Mexico. On the <laughs> was pit. that on Secret Mayo? It was Mayo? on Secret Mayo. That's too good, dude. That's too good. Um, if you were to own a red-faced monkey that's riding into battle on your shoulder, as you said at the beginning, what do you name it? Uh, George. Absolutely. It's the only name you can you name a monkey. Jorge? No. Nope. Just George. Just George. Would he be curious? Always. But not too curious that he would leave your shoulder in the back. No, no, no. He's loyal. He's a loyal, curious George. You ever see the, the guy with the hat? George is always loyal to that guy. I'm that guy. George is my George. <laughs> if you were to give our friend here listening with us one piece of parting advice on taking that leap of faith, going out, getting it, grabbing that 
smoke of a dream and trying to wrangle it, what do you tell him or her? Through my worldview, I would have to say live life in view of eternity. If you picture life as a line, eternity is a line, and your life on this earth is a dot on that line. If you think about all of the other dots of all the other people who've lived a life, there's only going to be a finite number of those dots that are going to intersect with your dot on that line. You are living in a specific place, in a specific time, and among the billions of people who have lived on this earth and will live on this earth, you are only going to interact with a select few number of them. And if by chance this world and what we're living in is not by chance, but by purpose, then each one of those interactions is a glorious moment. And think about the fact that, man, if, if you have hope in something that guarantees a future and eternity, and you meet up with somebody, say 10,000 years from now, you see somebody that you had a one conversation in a gas station with, and you bought a pretzel from them. I mean, you're going to freak out like, no way. Like, Susie Q, we were in the same place at the same time on earth. Are you kidding me? And, man, view life, if, if you believe in eternity, if you have hope for eternity, view life 10,000 years from now. What are you going to think about this moment? What are you going to think about this day? If you don't, view life from your deathbed. What are you going to think about this moment? What are you going to think about this day? From the farthest out point in the future that you can put your mind around, the dot and the line. Are you going to live for the dot or are you going to live for the line? And what's going to matter more at the end of the day? That is what I would say. And that's what, man, I wish I could live with that mindset every single moment. But man, <laughs> the, the worst part about this podcast is I'm saying a lot of things that I, in my ideal state, I would love to be about every single moment. But I'm a broken person who's been through uh, a ton and have not lived up to this every day whatsoever. This is my hope and my aspiration. And please, everyone know that Daniel Blake is a fallen and messed up person that it has just as much confusion and problems as the rest of the people. And I'm living life uh, in hope and with purpose and something greater than myself. And that is why I have security, but it's not in me. Um, and so I would say live for the line and not for the dot and be stoked for all of the points that your dot gets to intersect with other dots on that line because it's going to matter so much more than you think in this life and what I'm hoping for in eternity. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Live My Dream podcast, and I hope you are feeling inspired after that conversation with Daniel Blake. If you want to get in touch with Daniel, you can find his info in the show notes below. And if you want to hang out with me or FaceTime or chat or anything like that, you can also find my info down there. As always, thank you to the Burrito Challenge for making this podcast possible. And we can't wait to see you next week when I am chatting with Caroline Cassidy and Olivia McDonald, who have just returned from a trip across the world. See you then. Ooh.